Hi, welcome to Around Town, where we seek to discover insights into places, events, topics, and issues that you want to know about in our great city. I'm your host, Nick Bergfeld, with producer Chuck Luck. Today, we'll be talking with Lynette Wilson, the Executive Director of St. Benedict's. Lynette, thanks so much for coming on today. Thank you so much for having me. What's your connection to Lubbock? I was born and raised in Lubbock, Texas, and it's been my home for many years. I've lived a few other places, but I've always come back to Lubbock. I love Lubbock. I love the enthusiasm, the friendliness, the kindness of people here. I graduated from Lubbock High in Tech, raised my children here, been very involved in the community. What was Lubbock like when you were growing up here? It was simple. It seemed like we knew everyone. I've been told by a lot of my family years ago that we'd go places and they'd say, you know everyone in Lubbock. Well, really, you did, or knew someone that knew them, but it has definitely grown. What were some of the things going on in Lubbock at the time that you were growing up here as a teenager? Pretty much. We had to make our own fun. You know, I can just remember growing up in the neighborhoods. You played outside. It was so safe. Everyone made up their own games. And occasionally, you know, we'd go to a movie. We went to a lot of rodeos, a lot of sporting events. I can remember back when Lubbock Hubbers were in Lubbock. And that was our big deal in the summer. We all, as a family, went to Lubbock Hubbers game. And then after the ball game, we would always go to Bale Dairy and get an ice cream cone. It was fun. How would you describe your experience at Lubbock High? Oh, it was wonderful. I was head cheerleader, very involved. We had such wonderful friends. There was no jealousy and there was no bullying back when I was growing up. We just we cared about one another. What are some of the things that you were thinking about as you were going to graduate from high school? I loved high school, and I really didn't want it to end. I went to Tech, and then I also went to Angelo State. My parents moved to San Angelo, and I went there for a while. It was definitely different after you got out of high school. You had to grow up, had to get a job. (laughs) How did you choose what you were going to study? You know, when I first started at Tech, I wanted to be a PE teacher. Probably people would laugh at that because I'm not athletic, but my sister was a PE teacher, so I thought, well, I'll be a PE teacher. But I always had a heart for people who I felt like needed a friend. I wanted to be with some of the people that I knew didn't have as much as I did. I just wanted to be their friend because I felt like they were lonely always had a heart for people that maybe had some problems and they needed someone to talk to. And I always wanted to be there for them. Did you have a sense of the kind of career that you wanted or the goals that you had for life? I never actually got to graduate because I got married instead, (laughs) but that's okay. And I was always going to go back, probably had enough hours to graduate, but my life took a different turn. But no, I really didn't know for sure what I wanted to do. And I became involved with a nonprofits after I had my first child. I wanted to be in the helping field. I was a member of the Junior League of Lubbock, and my placement was working with CPS, Children's Protective Services. The first little case I had, I went with a mother that had visitation with her child. We took him to the doctor, and someone had burned him with cigarettes all over his little body. And I just thought, that can't happen. That just shouldn't happen to any child. So I knew then I really wanted to help break the cycle of child abuse, wanted to make a difference. 
When you reflect on your experiences raising your children here and you growing up in Lubbock yourself, how do you think about that? How do you compare those? I know it was different when my children were born. It was a little bit different when they were born. We didn't have cell phones yet, which was a good thing. They did have a few video games. I think it was very similar to my growing up because it was family oriented. The kids played baseball in the summer and then they played football and then they wanted to play tennis, you know, so they were very involved. And that was the way we grew up. Someone said one time when you were dating in high school, in the fall, you dated a football player. You kind of broke up with him. And then in January, you had a basketball player. And then you had a baseball player in the summer. So that's kind of the way our life evolved. But my kids were pretty much followed in the same pattern, you know, just doing sporting events and having friends and doing simple things. What were some of the values that you experienced growing up that you wanted your children to have as well? I wanted them to know the value of friendships and how important it was to have friends. And also, I wanted them to go to church. I wanted to teach them that being kind to one another, being patient with one another, and also the value of being able to make your own fun and not have to always be entertained. As you were raising your children, at what point did you decide that you wanted to get more involved in nonprofit work? When I joined the Junior League, my youngest son was barely newborn, started my placement, and that's when I realized that that's what I wanted to do. I wanted to work somehow in prevention of child abuse. As a result of my placement, I was on the steering committee for bringing Family Outreach Center to Lubbock. That was a child abuse prevention agency, and there was not one in Lubbock. We had a contract with Children's Protective Services and had a CPS worker. But Family Outreach was a nonprofit composed of volunteers who worked one-on-one with families at risk for abuse. There was actually no abuse going on, but they wanted to be a better parent and they needed help. As a result of my involvement with the Junior League is how I came to be in the nonprofit world. What are some of your first recollections or early memories about that experience of working with at-risk families? Well, as I said, my first experience was going with a young mother whose baby had been burned with cigarettes, a little six-month-old. It just broke my heart, and I just thought, this can't happen. I had so many families that I worked with that I still think about, wonder what has happened to them. One comes to mind, and she was a grandmother raising six infants, really, six stair steps. They were all her grandchildren, and she had a set of twins. They were drug babies. We put them in a little dresser drawer because they were so tiny. And just working with that family and the dynamics of that family, but the love that that grandmother had for those children was just overwhelming. She was a wonderful mother. We just try to keep them going and providing clothes and food and support mainly. So many families over the years, so I really feel like we did make a difference. Our volunteers were wonderful. I was a volunteer for several years, and then we needed a part-time person. I started working there part-time. We lost our state funding, so we had to take a different turn. So I became the executive director, stayed there for 35 years. So 
it was a wonderful experience and wonderful mission to prevent child abuse. Breaking that cycle is what we have to do. All of our volunteers were role models for these families and pretty much like a parent to these families because many of them had been abused themselves. And that's the only way they knew to discipline. And we'll be right back with Lynette to continue our conversation on Around Town on 89.1. Welcome back to Around Town. We're speaking with Lynette Wilson, the executive director of St. Benedict's. I want to ask you about the origins of Family Outreach Lubbock as somebody who is very involved in it. Talk about the history of the organization here. Family Outreach was started in May of 1981. Family Outreach was founded by the League of Jewish Women in Dallas, Texas. As a result of that, they were looking for other places that hopefully would start a family outreach center. And they came to Lubbock. CPS agreed that they wanted a family outreach center here. We had four sponsoring organizations, the YWCA, Junior League of Lubbock, Westminster Presbyterian Church, and Protective Services. It's all comprised of volunteers. Volunteers would go into the homes with families who had been referred either by self-referral or by another agency, daycare centers, schools. Our volunteers were trained. They had to go through a four-week training. Then they would be assigned a family. They would work with the family one-on-one in the home, parenting skills. They would work with them on budgeting. Most of our families just wanted to be a better parent. Some of them were in a financial situation that we would help them try to work through that, try to find resources, try to get their life back on track. Because I know financial problems can lead to a lot of problems in the home. Divorce, single parenting is very difficult. What are some aspects of the work that surprised you when you got involved? We would work with the family. We would solve a lot of problems, but then they would take three steps backwards. And that was very discouraging because we had worked so hard to get from point A to point B, but they didn't stay in that environment for very long, many of them. That was discouraging, but then as time went on, I realized they hadn't really had any life skills. No one had really taught them how to problem solve, and they didn't know. And that was part of our role, was to help problem solve for them and be a teacher, be a parent to them. Many of our families had young children, but they were young themselves, and they had never really had a role model or someone who really was there for them to help teach and encourage them. How do you think volunteering and working for Family Outreach Lubbock impacted you? Oh, totally changed my life. When I started, I was a young mother. It really made me realize how important it is to show love and respect to others because it's learned behavior. We became a mirror image to our families because we would take our children over and let them play with their children. We would go to the park. We would do fun things together that they had never been able to do. The rewards you receive from their happiness, how their life changed, and how they all of a sudden started taking care of their children and loving their children. And it was just because they had a role model. They had someone there that kept encouraging them and loving them. I'll never forget, we went to McDonald's and they started crying. And I said, what's wrong? They said, this is a dream come true. I can't believe I'm at McDonald's. 
they had never been. Those are rewards when you work and see the happiness on this little children's faces. Family Outreach always did an activity in the summer. We went to Joyland and we took our moms and dads, children. It was like they were at Disneyland. They were so happy and laugh and then have family time together. We used to have a theme, family time is fun time. We would go to the parks and we would have races and hot dogs and stuff just so they could be together as a family and do fun family things that they would have never been able to do. I'd like to ask you a leadership question. Family Outreach Center of Lubbock had a crisis moment when the state decided to no longer finance entities like it. What was going on in the organization at the time, and how did y'all find a way to move forward? We lost our state funding. We also lost our connection with Children's Protective Services because in order for you to be a family outreach center, you had to have a CPS worker on your staff because they would evaluate the families and make sure that this family was not a part of the CPS system. When we no longer had that connection, we couldn't really work one-on-one with families. We had to know that there was no abuse going on. We started offering parenting programs, parenting classes. Our very first one was for parents going through a divorce because it was mandated by the courts that you had to take this four-hour course in order to get your divorce. This was many years ago. That was our very first parenting class called Parents Are Forever. As a result, we just started adding parenting classes, things that parents needed, like parenting a toddler, how to deal with the difficult child, ADHD, the things that parents deal with day in and day out. One of the topics was, I love this kid, but he's driving me nuts. And we would have professionals in the community come in and do parenting classes. So primarily, that's how we kept our mission of prevention of child abuse. And then as we moved on, we started doing classes in the schools. We had a lady who wrote our curriculum, Anger Management for Children, starting with toddlers all the way up through high school. We did girls power, like girls that are transitioning from fifth grade into sixth grade, and boy power, the same thing. We just had all different topics for children, and we'd go into the classroom and work with the children. One of our topics was anger wranglers, and it was a Western theme, how to rein in your anger, you know. And we were very, very active in the schools, and we would go into daycare centers also. And we had a problem called shaken baby syndrome, never, never shake a baby. That was a really big program. We had baby rattles made that said, shake this rattle, not your baby, and we gave them in the hospitals to new moms and then we attached to it. What do you do when a baby's crying? Just parenting tips. So we did a lot of really good things for parents and that was the way we accomplished our mission. Always missed not being able to go into the homes. You meet them in their environment and they gain trust in you and that's how you really prevent child abuse. But unfortunately, the state legislators did not see it that way and they cut all of the family outreach centers out of the state budget. At the time, we had done measurements. We looked at all of the cases that all the family outreach centers, there were like 36 family outreach centers in the state of Texas, and there were two, I believe, at that time in Florida. 96% of the families that family outreach volunteers worked never became a part of the CPS system. Prevention works. 
but they didn't see it that way. We were fortunate most of the centers had to close. We were fortunate that we did have money in reserve that we could continue. You were involved with the center for 35 years. How did you think about and decide when it was time for the next thing? I don't know. I woke up one day. I thought, you know, we were in a good place financially. We had all these wonderful programs. I was ready to do some other volunteer work. I wanted to leave when it was in a good place. I felt like it was time and it'll always be a part of my life. Afterwards, you would get involved with St. Benedict's. What is St. Benedict's? St. Benedict's. We feed the homeless and the food insecure and the working poor. Always said when I retired, I wanted to become involved with a feeding program, feeding homeless and food insecure people. St. Benedict started in 2007 on the streets of Broadway by a priest, Father Barry Ferguson and his wife, Anne. They started fixing sandwiches and just handing them out downtown Lubbock. And as a result, they moved from there to a little uh, place on Broadway, and then they moved to a little bit larger place on Main Street where people could come in and different churches sponsored St. Benedict's and they would bring food, bring meals. They would serve there on Main Street, and it was small, and we were growing. We were able to buy a building on 28th Street, which is our present location. And we'll be right back with Lynette to continue our conversation on Around Town on 89.1. Welcome back to Around Town. Our guest today is Lynette Wilson, the executive director of St. Benedict's. How did you first get involved with St. Benedict's? I always wanted to work with the homeless and food insecure when I retired. I just had a passion for that mission. I was at a fundraiser. One of our board members knew that I wanted to become involved with the homeless, and he introduced me to a gentleman that was on the board of St. Benedict's. He said, when you retire, you call me and we will put you to work. So I did. And also my church, that was one of their missions was St. Benedict's. And I was visiting with a preacher at that time, and he was picking up food every Thursday from the food bank to take to St. Benedict's. And I said, well, you shouldn't be doing that. I started picking up the food from the food bank on Thursdays for him. He asked me to come to a board meeting, and he said, I want you to become involved through Second Baptist with St. Benedict's. So I was a representative on the board of directors at St. Benedict's. I just became very involved. I helped serve. I just fell in love with the people that would come for a meal. You would get to visit with them, and you got to know some of them personally and listen to their story. And it was just a wonderful experience to be a part of St. Benedict's, and it still is. Since its creation, the size of its operations have grown significantly. Talk about what it currently is doing. How many people is it serving? Last month, we served over 11,000 meals in that one month. And we average now right around 375 to 400 every night. We see the need. Financially, people cannot afford to feed their families and feed themselves. We have many, many families that come because if they're on some kind of assistance, such as food stamps, it just doesn't go as far in the grocery store and they run out of food. 
some of our friends that are veterans that really have a difficult time making ends meet. A lot of people who work, they work hard all day, but there again, you have to buy gas, you have to pay the rent, you have to pay the utilities. It's very difficult. And many of them apologize. They say, we're so sorry that we have to come and ask for a meal. And they are so appreciative. They really are. And so many of our people that come to St. Benedict's are homeless. They somehow survive. I don't know how in the cold and the heat. They are survivors and they come every night. We serve Monday through Saturday, five to six. And on Sunday morning, we have chapel at 830 and breakfast burritos. Not only do we feed their body, we feed their soul. It's a really wonderful mission, especially when you see the little children that come up to the door and they're so excited to get their meal. As an organization, what does it take to be able to serve free 350, 400 meals a day? Volunteer teams every night, it's a different team. They come and bring, most of the time it's hot meals, really, really good meals. They have a budget that they can only provide for about 180, maybe at the most. Now that we're serving around 400, we have to supplement. We have to come up with the difference. And we try so hard to get food donated so they can have a hot meal. We do not have a license to actually cook. We can warm things up and we can boil water. So we have a lot of spaghetti and we have meals and hot meals, but we always have sandwiches in case we run out of our hot meals. No one leaves St. Benedict's without something to eat. If anyone out there ever is at an event or has a wedding, a catering, that they have leftover food, they can call and I will make arrangements to come pick it up because we need extra food. We're so thankful of our wonderful Lubbock community. It helps us so much. I'm just really dedicated to giving people a hot meal. And if you know of anyone out there who is hungry that just maybe has had a difficult month, had a lot of unexpected expenses, just tell them to come over and we serve our meals to go. They line up at five o'clock. We plate the meals inside and serve it at the door. And we have a place they can sit in the backyard, real nice picnic tables. Also, our garage is heated or cooled. It's a very welcoming place. It's a happy place. Just gives them a little bit of hope every day to have a place to come. When you were asked to be the executive director of St. Benedict's, what was going through your mind? I thought I was just going to do it in the interim until they found a full-time executive director. But when they asked me if I would do this, I said, I really want to do it. I want to make a difference. I have a lot of goals that I want to achieve and hopefully will. I just love being there every day knowing that these people are going to have a meal. It's a blessing for me. You know, they always say what you give, you receive so much more in return. You know, just being able to give someone a friendly smile or a pat on the back, it makes them feel good, but it makes you feel better. What kind of community support does St. Benedict's have? And how important has that been to the organization? Oh, it's been extremely important. We are sponsored by several different Lubbock churches and businesses. We have some individuals who are also monthly sponsors. We are also one of the charities who receives proceeds from Bingo. 
all money from bingo has to go to charity. And so we are very thankful and grateful for that. We write grants. We have received several grants from the Talkington Foundation. That was how we were able to purchase the current location building that we're in. And we continue to write grants. Where is St. Benedict's located at now? Our location is 1615 28th Street. And there is a sign out in front that says St. Benedict's. So thankful because Lubbock is just a very giving, loving community and they care about the people. Together, we can make a difference in the lives of so many people. Over the next couple of years, where do you hope St. Benedict's goes? We would love to be able to serve inside again, but I don't foresee that happening because of the numbers. I would like for us to be able to maybe do more one-on-one, have more of a conversation or being able to sit down and listen to what their needs are. At one time, we were able to have showers and maybe open it up one day for them to come in and wash their clothes. That's something that we have done in the past, but we have not been able to do that again. That's one thing I'd like for us to be able to do. But mainly just what we do, feeding them is just so important. I think there's always going to be hungry people. There's going to be homeless people. We call them our friends because they are so appreciative of what we can do for them. It just makes such a difference in their lives, especially with these families that come to be able to feed their families. For the listener out there that wants to volunteer with St. Benedict's or know more about St. Benedict's, how can they? Call St. Benedict's 806-319-5528, 806-319-5528. If you are interested in volunteering, we always welcome volunteers. We could always find something for you to do and would love for you to be a part of our organization. Lynette, that's all the time that we have today. Thanks so much for coming on. Thank you for having me. I really appreciate it. Thanks for listening to Around Town. I'm your host, Nick Berkfeld. The show was produced by Chuck Luck. Our guest today was Lynette Wilson, the executive director of St. Benedict's. Join us next Friday morning at 9 a.m. on 89.1. For more information on Around Town or to listen to previous episodes, visit ttupublicmedia.org.